This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. This is a Gemara. There is a Gemara in Chulin. Okay? And I, in, the, in the first paragraph, I call Sheikhton. If you want to look it up, it is Daf Zion Omer Aleph. And there's a story. And the story goes as following. Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair, very famous, many miracles happened for him. Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair had a ka'azal opinion shvuyim. Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair was once traveling to carry out the ransoming of captives. Pinchas shvuyim is when Goyim captured Jews and they're holding them for a ransom. So you got to come up with money to free them. So Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair had this money and he was going to free these Jews. Pogabe b'ginai nahara. He encountered the river Ginai. Okay? And this river was flowing. And he couldn't cross. Amale, he said to the river, Kenai, that was the name of the river, Chalaikli meimach ve'erbabach. Split your waters for me. Split, so I can cross. I'm going to do a mitzvah. Amale, I guess it's the malach of the river. The river doesn't speak. Amale, the river replied, you're going your way to perform the will of your maker by ransoming captives. Right? That's what you're doing. For Hashem, that's what you're going to do. But I too am flowing. Right? I'm a river flowing. I'm also doing the will of my maker. So why should I split for you? You're doing what you're supposed to do and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm not splitting. Right? Sort of the discussion seems to be that rivers and oceans have troublemakers as, as angels because by the Yamsuf they also said I'm not splitting to Moshe Rabbeinu because, because why should I change Teva Teva is an ocean doesn't split so I'm not splitting so this river had the same type of Malach I'm not splitting he said but he was a Lamdish Malach the river was Lamdish he said I'm better than you the river said I'm better than you Atta Suffolk Isis Suffolk um, if I split for you, maybe you'll accomplish what you're supposed to. Maybe they won't, they won't give you back the captives. Maybe they killed the captives. So you're not so sure for 100% that your mission that you're on is going to be successful. Ani, said the river, but I, I certainly, if I don't split, will accomplish what I'm supposed to do. I'm flowing like a river. So, I'm a bari, and you're a Shema. I'm for sure doing what Hashem wants me to do. And you're maybe going to do what Hashem wants you to do. Bari v'shema, bari others. If you're sure and you're not sure, the sure one is, win, wins out. Amalei. So, you hear what the river is saying? I'm for sure doing what I'm supposed to do. You're not for sure. We don't know what will happen. So I'm not splitting. Really. So the pit is very if you don't split, because I decree upon you that you're going to dry up and there'll never be water flowing through you again. So I hear what you're saying, but I'm threatening you. And I'm telling you that if you don't split, this river is over. So what do you think happened? The river split for him. Right? Not a, not a, not a silly river. Now, with him, there was two other people. 
There was a certain man with Rapichas Ben Yoy on this trip who was carrying wheat that was supposed to be used for baking matzah on Pesach. Rapichas Ben Yoy said to the river, I want you to split for him too and let him cross. Why? The mitzvah asik, because he's engaged in doing the mitzvah. Chalakle, the river was scared of the threat that he said he's going to dry him up. So he split for him too. And there was a third guy who wasn't even a Jew. Havautaya, the lava bahaja, there was an Arab merchant that was with them. Amale, the Pippas Yoi said to the river, Chalakle nami lahai, I want you to split for him too. Why? So it shouldn't be said that us, the two, us, me and the other person, that that's how we deal with a traveling companion. That we leave him on the other side and we take care of ourselves. It will be a chil Hashem. So the river is split for him also. Says the Gemara, Marav Yosef, how great is this person of Pichas Benyai? The Maisha Rishid in Riven, Maisha and 600,000 Jews, Iluhasam Chazimna, it only split once for Maisha and all the Jews. The Haka Klosens him then. Pichas Benyai split three times. He's greater than Moshe and all the Bnei Yisrael. So the Gemara says. Gemara objects. Gemara says, no, Rabbi Yosef. It could be here in this story that it also split once, but it remained split. In other words, he told the river, stay split. So only, he, didn't, he didn't split it three times, but he told it to, to, to stay split. So he says, oh, so... What Rav Yosef was saying is how great is Rav Yosef ben here that he's like Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, 600,000 Jews, this, the, the Red Sea um, split and stayed split. And Rav Yosef ben for three people, this river state split and stayed split. Now, why am I telling you? It's a very nice story. Right? It's a nice story. Rabbi, why are you telling us such a story? It's a very important story. And the answer is as following. Rav Hutna, Rav of of, uh, of Chaim Bolin, so I don't understand. Lamaisa, the river was right. The river was right. Oh, threatening a river, that's not an answer to the, what's going on over here. Right? And what was the threat to the river? What kind of answer was that to the river? The river said, I'm doing my job 100%, and you're a maybe, I'm a sure. So what do you, what do you have a right to, uh, what right do you have to dry up the river? The river's doing the mice of Hashem, he's doing the work of Hashem. So where do you have a right to dry that up? He, he was right. You're Shemi and, 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 and the river is a bari. So he answered something very beautiful. So Hutna said, what, what, what he was saying, what Pichos Bayori was saying, I'm greater than you. Doing something that for Hashem, that 100% for sure will be accomplished, is not as great as doing something for Hashem when, when, you, when you go to do it, you may not be able to accomplish it. In other words, you're going to Mincha, it's 15 minutes. You're going to Shul, you're going to Davin, you have a minion. Right? But you're going for 15 minutes to do Shalom Bias, where you don't know if, these, if it's going to work, if, if they're going to get together. Maybe they're going to even hate each other more after you do that, right? That's greater than, 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 than going to the short thing. Because you have more of an excuse you know what, I'm not going, it's not going to happen anyway. Right? So the, the, there's more giving over to Hashem when I'm not sure... I'm willing to give up my hour even though I'm not sure I'm going to be successful. It's very nice to give up your hour and you know you're going to be successful. That's also great. 
But to give up your hour and you don't even know you're going to be successful, that's much greater. So what Rabbi Pinochet was saying to, to the river was, you're telling me you're greater because you're sure, and I'm not sure, just the opposite. I'm, I'm much greater. Because you're right, I'm not sure. And I went anyway. That's what Rabbi Pinochet answers. Which comes back to something that I talk about all the time. And that is, that Hashem doesn't judge us by accomplishment. He judges us by effort. Because if you're, if you're judging a, upon accomplishment, then the river was right. I, every day, accomplish that I keep flowing. So I'm right. Because when you said, no, we don't judge by accomplishment. It could be, you're right, that, I, that I'm going to go there, and they killed them already. And, to, and you know what I mean? And, or or they, they, they took the price from $500,000 to $10 million. Right? But Lemaissa, I took a chance. Taking a chance and giving up your time on a chance is even greater than the short thing. So many times we we work on whether it's tzedakah or we work on ourselves or or we're helping and we're doing chesed or whatever it is. That's what Hashem wants. It's not we're not goal driven. The whole world is goal driven. The Olympics it is a, it is the epic anti Jew anti what we stand for. Why? Because you have all these all these athletes that work their whole life right and only one wins so it's not about effort it's about the goal it's about being the winner getting the gold medal I there's 200 people that gave their whole lives for this if you're not winning the gold medal you're you're nothing in a golf tournament if you come in second you're nothing you won the golf tournament and you get the jacket Right? You're the winner. Everything in sports. Sports is not based on effort. Sports is based on winning the World Series, winning the Super Bowl, winning the Stanley Cup. And all the stuff till then is meaningless. Meaningless. If you don't skate with the cup, then you, you played, I don't know how many games, 175 games, I don't know how many games they play in hockey. All those games, all those nights, all that traveling, giving up your life, all those stitches... Right? All those broken bones. It's nothing. Nobody, nobody talks about you. You're not on a box of cereal. You're not getting a contract. You're not getting anything. You're a loser. You didn't win the Stanley Cup. You didn't win the NBA finals. Doesn't matter how hard you work. So the, the, the world that we live in is goal driven. And the, the education system that we have today, even in the Jewish education system, is goal driven. 100 on the test. Valedictorian. The best yeshiva, the best college, the best marks. And what he's saying over here in this Gemara, what Rapikas Binyari is telling the river is no, that's not what counts. Because I'm going, even if I fail and the person's dead or they, they doubled the price and I don't have the money, the reward, I am greater than you, river, who continuously flows, I am greater than you because I tried. And I, and I knew that I might not be successful. That's the godless of this Gemara. It's a Nehudikah Gemara. I knew I wouldn't be successful is greater than if I know I'm going to be successful. It's the direct opposite of everything we learn in Western civilization. Mama is the direct opposite. And the river couldn't fight with that. You're sure. Sure you do the work of Hashem. And sure you're a sure thing. So big deal. So it's a sure thing. Why was it why was it such a big deal? 
Why was it such a big deal? Lamaisa, if you come and tell me, Rabbi, Chatzoshon, a person doesn't have children, right? And someone comes and says, if you move to this and this town, I'm going to make you rich, I'm going to make you famous, I'm going to give you children, you're going to be everything. Hello? What kind of test is that? And it's God. Now, I didn't promise you. God comes to you. Listen, I'm Ramallah. You move. You don't have children for 90 years? You don't have children for 90 years? If you move, you're going to have kids. You're going to be rich. You're going to be the most powerful man in the world. You're going to become the father of the whole world. Hello? So then we're going to say, uh, give me a night to think about it. Right? Everyone's hopping. We're gone. We're doing it. Right? We're the tickets. I'm there. So what was the test? What was the test of Ramavino? What kind of test? And the answer is, I'm not telling you where you're going. So even though I'm making you that promise, I'm not telling you there's, there's a little chance of failure because if I don't know where I'm going, right, Hashem's telling me, but, but I don't know where I'm going. So there's this little piece in there of, that was the test. The whole test was, I'm not telling you where I'm going, where you're going. So, so this Gemara is mamish, a proof to that, yeah, you could fail. Because we always to the river, you're right, I might fail. And you're doing your job, I'm greater than you are. I'm greater than you are. Because I'm willing to try. I'm willing to try. Every kid needs to know that as long as he's willing to try, just try. I remember my, 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 my followers used to always say that. Just try it. Dad, I can't do it. Just try. Fail, but try. Because, because if you try, you passed the trying test. You didn't fail. It, it, you know, again, we'll go back to Gretzky, Lahavdol, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Bottom line, it's a hockey saying, but you miss 100%. If you don't take the shot, you cannot go in. So, guys, and everyone who's watching this year, you might fail, but don't fail at trying. And the goal you may not accomplish, but don't fail at trying. And a lot of us fail at trying because we know or think that we cannot make the goal that we set up. That's, that's, it's not for you to finish it. That's God's job. So that's what, that's what the Gemara is saying over here in, in, um, in Cholin. I think it's a, it's a, it's Nairdik. It's Nairdik. They explained in the Arch Scroll a different explanation. And he said that what he was saying, what he was saying, um, what he was saying to the river is that if I have the power, right, if I have the power within my power to make your waters cease from flowing, right, and Hashem will listen to me, then you will certainly not accomplish what you're supposed to do. In other words, it's beautiful. Who did he bring it from? The Masha. So the Masha says something very deep. The Masha says, the Rebekah Zmanyoy was saying, you're coming and telling me that you're sure and I'm a maybe. I'm telling you that I'm going to change this whole thing. I'm going to be a maybe and you're going to be a for sure not. Right now you're saying you're sure and I'm a maybe. Sure is stronger than maybe. I'm going to stop the water so I'm going to be a maybe and you're going to be a not. Because once I stop the water you're not doing what you're supposed to do anymore for Hashem. So he says, is that what you want? Right now, you're a, you're a sure and I'm a maybe. I can cause it to be I'm a maybe and you're a sure not. And that's when the river said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm splitting for you. But that, um, that doesn't tie into my, my lesson that I want to teach you is that don't ever fail at trying. 
Tataka may not, you may not, you, you know, you may not win the race, and you may not be the best kid in the class, but if you try the hardest, then you, then you accomplish something which is, which is trying, and, and a lot of people today, a lot of the kids that I deal with, they just, they don't want to even try. They had a bad experience or whatever it is, and they don't want to even try, and I'm like, it's one thing to fail at a subject, it's a lot worse to fail at trying to do well on the subject. You have to try. So that's that Gemara. Okay. Um, I want to talk about an Indian called Indian Beisach Knesses, which is very tied to this week's parasha. And the way it's tied, I don't know if you ever read the parasha parables, the way it's tied is a very interesting pasuk, psukim, which is really hard to understand, Achimimos Kedoshim, right? Because at the end of Achimimos, it really talks about who you're not allowed to marry, and um, all the ervas, right? Ervas Avicha, Ervas Imecha, Ishubita. But in the middle of nowhere, it drops in the following. It says the following. It has nothing to do with this. Perik Yudzayin. My dad, I shall have a Moshe talk to Bnei Yisrael and tell them, Ish Ish, we base Yisrael, any Jew, Asher Yishchat, that will shech an animal, Chutz, right, it's called Chutei Chutz, where you're, shech, you're not shechting the animal and bring it to the base of Migdash, but you have your own little Mizbech in your backyard, which they used to have before the Mishkan, right? And you're, you're shechting it outside, it's called Chutei Chutz, and you're bringing your own Kabbanas, there's no, you know, you're not, you're not going to the base of Migdash, I got my own, I got my own little, uh, Mizbech out there that I'm gonna do, right? And you shechted these animals and you bought this cupboard in your backyard or wherever it is, but you did not bring it to the Mishkan or the Beis HaMikdash. Lahakif Kobin Lashem, Lifnei Mishkan Hashem. You didn't bring it to the Mishkan of Hashem. Dam Yichoshem Lishahu. What he says. Dam Shavav Lichoshem Lishahu. I'll make care of Amo. So it says that it should be considered as bloodshed for that man, like he killed someone, that he shed blood. And the man will be cut off in Tzchayef Kores from the rest of his people. You hear? What's so bad, guys? So you brought a carbon in your backyard. You had a, you had a bama, right? A mizbeach called a bama, and you brought this carbon to Hashem because you did an avero, or you want to thank Hashem, and you spilled blood, and you're you're going to you're going to be cut off from the nation. In order that you should bring in your kabbanos, bring it to Hashem. El el You should bring it to the kohen. Don't do this on your own. Okay, and the kohen will shecht it, and he'll, he'll he'll throw the blood on the mizbeach, and everything's going to be nice. And a person who shechts an animal and brings a Strange car, but in other words, he doesn't bring it to the base of Megiddo or the Mishkan. He does it in his backyard on his bayach. Listen carefully to what it says. Why shouldn't you? Why should you be so punished? Because Hashem said, "I don't want you any longer to slaughter your offerings." What are the seirim? Shade them to the demons. Don't want you bringing sacrifices to the demons. That people follow them. This is a law, an eternal law that should be for all your generations. So, 
where are we supposed to bring a carbon today? We don't have a base Hamikdash, and we don't have a Mishkan. But according to this pasuk in the Torah, it says That means for us that the only place you can bring a carbon is in the base Hamikdash or in the Mishkan and the Olamoy. But we don't have one, so we know that the Torah is La'ilam, Everything in the Torah is forever. So what is this talking about? If if you're telling us that we should bring our kabbanas to the base Hamikdash, we can't. So how could this be La'ilam? Right? Everyone understands that question? Okay. So there's a. I'm reading it from. The, I'm going to read it from the Talmud at Hagim. It's extremely severe. Extremely severe. Uh, but it's based on, it is based on this Pusik. So before we do that, in the Pasha Parabell, it says, So he asks, even the most pious Jew, the, the best tzaddik, who would not worship idols or demons or spirits, right? He was not allowed to, to bring Korbanas outside the, the Beis Amidash, and he asks, he asks why. He's a very amazing story. He says, the Ger Rebbe, who was Rav Simcha Bruno Alter, was called the Leif Simcha. So one of his followers had, had, a, had a store, and now he decided to open a second store. Like the first time, he was talking about a long time ago, a chain store, another store. And he opens up this big store, and after a few months, he um, begins to lose money. And he's beginning to lose money in his whole operation. So he comes to the Rebbe, and he comes for a bracha. And he asked, the Rebbe asked the man, so you have two stores now, where's your office? In the old store or in the new store? He said, no, it's in my new spacious headquarters, my new store, that's where I, that's where I put my office. So the Rebbe said, okay, I'm going to give you a skula, and if you do this skula, you're going to make all your money back. Every day, go to the old store, and at 10 o'clock, kiss the mezuzah, Ten times. Okay? So Rebbe tells you, yeah, Rebbe tells you to do that. He figured some mystical thing. So he goes every day, ten o'clock, to the old store, and he kisses the mezuzah. Within two months, the, the store is doing, the old store is doing, it had been doing any business, now it was doing amazing. So he came back to the Rebbe, and he asked the Rebbe, I never heard of such a school of kissing mezuzah ten times at ten o'clock every day. You know, what's the, di- what's the deal with it? And the Rebbe said, no. The Rebbe said it has nothing to do with the mezuzah. He said, I know that you're a big businessman, so I want to tell you how to run your business, you see, but since you opened a new store, um, and that's where your office is, you never went to the old store. If you don't go to the old store, all the employees, they, they, they slacked off. But now, every day you came at 10 o'clock, so they, they knew you were coming, so they all started working, and of course the store started doing better. What, what does that do with anything? So he says, very interesting, he says that you think you can dominate at home. And you think you can have spirituality outside of the Beis HaMikdash. What's the Beis HaMikdash today? The Beis HaMikdash today is the Beis HaKnesses. Right? The Beis HaKnesses, the Beis Medrash, the Shul, is considered a Beis HaMikdash Katan. So, people think, right, that I can dominate at home, I can dominate on the train, right, I can dominate in all these places. What's the difference? What's the difference? So he says, no, there is a very big difference. He says that you have to go and visit the place of spiritual business. When you go to shul and there's a minion and there's tzedakah and there's learning, right? It's just a very different thing. 
but going to work every day and davening in your house and davening in the street and davening in wherever you're davening but not coming to shul is like this guy not coming to his store to see what's going on okay so I want to read you a very scary Tamim and Hagim the Tamim and Hagim says the following I'll read it to you from inside I, I learned this about 8 years ago I remember and a lot of people called me up after this. It wasn't on this or that, but I used to have these little tapes that I used to give out. Listen very carefully to what he says here. If anyone wants to look this up, it's in Inyane Besaknesas, in the Tamim and Hagim, under Sif 167, Kuf Samach And this is what he said. He brings it down from the Derech Moshe, a safer called Derech Moshe. And he says the following. Yizohar Ma'od, be very careful. He said, be very careful. A person who doesn't daven, right? In the Beis HaKnesses. That, no, he said, a person that davens in the Beis HaKnesses or he davens by himself. The demons steal your prayers. A person who doesn't have a makam kavua in shul, in a set place, but he goes from minion to minion and place to place, you should know that the the demons steal your tefillah. Um, how do you save yourself from these robbers, these demons? Right? You have to take with you Shimrim. What are those Shimrim? The Hainuminion she's followed with Sibor. When you dive in with Sibor, these demons don't have a chance to steal your tillers. What happens if you live in a town where there is no minion? Right? So what are you going to do? He says, He has to. In your house, you have to make a place that's a chosen place in your house that you always daven in the same place in your house. For us, Ashkina Sharoi If you make this special place for davening, because there is no minion in your town, then the Shekhinah will rest in that specific place in your house. Ubasi Yeshuvim. He says, and I want to warn people who live in a place that don't have a minion and they daven by themselves. Or he's an honest, he, he's, he's a doctor and he can't daven with the minion or whatever it is, and he's not able to daven with the minion. How do you choose, how do you make a place in your house? If you daven be how do you make a place in your house that becomes a makam kavua lispalo? And he says, when you move into the house, or you're renting an apartment, when you move into the house or the apartment, the smart person fears God. Find a place, a set place in that house that's beautiful and clean. And say with a full mouth, in other words, say very clearly, this is the place, and he that I am choosing to pray, l'shem yichud hakadosh baruch hu, u'shchinte b'shem Hashem. Liyos, it's a whole tefillah. Liyos, 
that this should be the place that's set aside to pray in my house, I need myself, Ubesi and my my household, and it should be the will of God that he should have his um, his shechina dwell in this place, like he dwells in all the shuls in Israel. The im yamakach, and you should know that if you say this, azayhu bekedushasay, kedushas beitzakneses, that place in his house will have the holiness of a shul, so it has to be treated like a shul. Utilasim ukubelas v'saychay, and if you daven in that spot in your house, yitzila will be makavol. The apple beitzakneses, but let's say you do daven with a minion. In shul, you have to find a place and make it a makam kavur for yourself. It shouldn't be in one place. And tomorrow, in another place. So if you daven here in Yitzchak, you have your chair and you have a right to say to someone that that's my makam kavur. Very important to have a makam kavur. I myself, usually in shul, daven on the left side of the bima. Because if I sit down, I fall asleep, so I stand usually by davening. That's my makam kavua. So wherever I am, that's where I stand. I stand by the bima. But a person should have, if you daven in a shul on Shabbos, on Shabbos, I have my makam kavua. And if someone's sitting in it, unless it's an old person, whatever it is, I'm like, uh, if you don't mind, sit next to me, but this is where I usually sit. A makam kavua is very important. He says, I'll bring you a marshal from the Arizal. He says, why do you need a Makkah Kavua? Okay, so you sat there today. Tomorrow you sit there. The next day you sit there. New. It's the same shul. What's the problem? So he says, I bring, he brought a very beautiful mushal from that Rizal. And he says, Lamelech to a king. She writes a Lilkoit Chemesir. He's attacking a city. And he wants to breach the walls of the city. Right? So what does he do? He wants to make a hole in the wall. He takes a metal beam that's burning. Shekairin something. It's called, I forgot the name, Debekish, whatever it's called. The Yaira, what is it called that they knock into the walls? Um, has a name. When they swing that thing against the gates. Yeah. A battering ram, right. So sort of a battering ram, right? Um, so what does he do? So the Yaira comes from him, Makam Echad. You hit the battering ram in the same place, over and over. Actually, you're not giving a So you get the hole. I will do Tipesh, if he's stupid. The Yorah Pam Echad Khan hits the battering ram in one place. Upam Shane, he does it in another place. And the next time in another place, he's not breaking down that wall. So he says the same thing. Since the base of was destroyed, there's a wall made out of, out of metal, out of iron between us and Hashem. And our Tvila is like a hot battering ram. The person dies all the time in the same place. You keep you in the same place. You keep the battering ram hitting the same place on the iron wall, right? And therefore, you're able to get through, and your tool is able to go through. But in love, if you keep switching switching places, you're not going to be able to make a hole. You're not going to be able to get your tools over that. He says, and big shuls. If you have to buy a seat, you should buy a seat, but you should have a makam kavua. Now he says something which is, but I'm reading it to you from inside. The whole Adam, it's very severe. And any person, Yaman should believe, 
that um, becoming poor, umisas banav, and the death of his children, Adam comes to a person, and he doesn't have hatzlacha in whatever he does, right? Wow. Because you don't daven in a set place. This, this is why I'm telling you this tonight. He says, I'll bring you a proof from the Torah of what I'm saying. Right? He said, Aside of what it says in the Zoya and the Arizal. Today when we daven, it's considered like bringing a carbon. What I just read you. And by the carbon it says in Achimos, a person who shakes an animal outside, right? He's going to be cut off. And that carbon is going to end up going to shade him. Like it says in the passage, which I just read you, well, you shouldn't bring carbonas to, to Seirim while the shade him. Right? What is the Torah telling us? Where am I supposed to bring the carbon? The base I made is destroyed. Ela ha base I knete shalanu the shul our shul achshol the makom megdash is instead of a megdash. The ayel lehem the megdash maat it's considered a megdash maat. But tfilu hu the makom carbon adavani is instead of a carbon. Kishem shen the carbon shenichah chutz the megdash hayu einish kares just like when you shechted an animal outside the base I megdash the punishment was kares. But carbon hayu l'shedim and the carbon ended up by the shedim af achshol betfilu. The same thing with Tefillah. Therefore, when you daven, you have to be in a shul. When a makam kavua in your house, it's daven Listen to this. You don't daven with a minion. You daven by yourself at home. It's considered like you're bringing the carbon to shedim. The chayev gam came kores. If he's alive, even though he's davening, he's davening b'yichidus. Either he's going to lose his money. And a person who fears God and wants to protect himself from being poor or losing his children. Oh, misas atzmoi or dying young. Yasalei makan kavua should set himself a makan kavua. Afbi yishav even if you're home, there's bala tamei makan mechla to make sure that you daven always in the same place. That's pretty heavy. So, yeah, it seems to be that makan um, kavua is considered very important. And he brings down here that if you if you're not an oynes and you're not davening in a specific place in your house. It's considered like Shchutei Chutz. It's Yabeshul. You have a place to daven. That's the Beis Hamidrash. That's the Mishkan. If you and, and and this is considered davening. It's considered a carbon, right? So if you don't come to Shul and you don't daven with a minion, according to what he's saying, you're doing Shchutei Chutz. You're not coming to the Beis Hamidrash to bring your carbon. You're bringing your carbon outside the Beis Hamidrash, and he says these terrible things. So it's very important that everyone goes to Minyan. And if Chatz Shalom, for whatever reason, you can't come to Minyan, you have a place in your house, not upstairs, downstairs, inside, outside, the television's on there, phone's ringing, all that stuff. And it's a very important thing. Another thing, being, he brings it down also, that being that tefillah is considered like a korban, 
when a Kayin is bringing a carbon, if he has one, if he has one machshava, one thought, outside of the carbon, it's called piggle. I remember as a kid, that was always like my favorite word, piggle. But it's considered piggle and the carbon's no good. So if you're looking at your phone, but in the middle of davening, and you're considered like you're bringing a carbon, you're the Kayin, and you're looking at your phone, right, even if your phone's on vibrate, but now you're looking at your phone to see who called you. So putting it on vibrate doesn't really help, because once it vibrates in your pocket, you can't dive until you find out who, who called you, right? So when you look at that phone, and you see that message, so you're the client, and you have outside thoughts, the carbon's gone. Your whole chakras is goodbye. It's a pickle. Your whole mincha is goodbye. Your whole mirev is goodbye. So it's very important that, that when you come to Davin, you have to look at it, like you're coming to the base of the you have to, this morning I had a whole thing in shul. So it's, it's something that I, I was Davin in Shemesh Shabbos a few weeks ago, and I had a bad cold. So, um, so I was sitting there Davin in Shachris, and I had a box of tissues, so I blew my nose and I put the tissues down. Of course, I'm, when I finished Davin, I took all the tissues, and I, not, how many, the three tissues, and threw them in the garbage. I mean, if someone doesn't clean up themselves, that's crazy, but I cleaned up after myself. So my, my Shemetzka, who runs the shul summit, came over to me, and, and no, actually, no, I'm sorry, I put the three tissues down, and he came over with a tissue and took the three of them and threw them in the garbage. I said, Moshe, what are you doing? I'm going to finish davening, I'm going to throw them in the garbage. He goes, what do you mean you throw them in the garbage? You can't have tissues on the table while you're davening. It's disgusting. He says, you can't, you put the, either put the tissues in your, in your pocket or put them in the garbage, but you can't daven with tissues on the table. Dirty tissues on the table, you can daven? I'm like, yeah, you finish blowing your nose and at the end of davening, you put them in the garbage. He goes, no, you can't, you're davening, it's a base on You can't have dirty tissues on the table when you're davening. So you can't wait till later to th- throw them in the garbage. You gotta put them away now. So this morning, on my Landau's, the guy sitting next to me has like a pile. He had a very bad cold. And he keeps putting these tissues and he keeps putting these tissues. Uh, it really is disgusting to see a bunch of dirty tissues on a table while you're diving. He was the guy next to me. Right? And I'm thinking to myself, but, you know, I didn't, I, I never used to clean them up till afterwards. Anyways, so I took a tissue and I did the same thing. And he was like, he was a young guy and he's just like, Sir Walston, why are you doing that? I was going to throw it out. I'm like, I know, I just went last week, though, that it's, it's talking, he was right. I said, I didn't see it with my own tissue. They didn't see it. But I'm sitting next to you. And that's not your fault. I said, I do the same thing. I said, there's a bunch of dirty tissues on the table. You dive into Hashem. It's a base of Migdash. What do you, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to have in mind that that's, you know, that a shul has that Kedusha. So, yeah, and you, you know, if you're sitting on Shabbos eating and your guest that guests in the house, you're not putting your dirty napkins on the table. You're taking them off and you're throwing them out right away. So uh, we have to work on our, we have to work on our, on our, uh, on our tila and our davening and how we respect davening. Okay. So this week's parsha was also Akhmemos. It was also Kedoshim. So this is a very cute story. Um, I have said this, not, I don't think to this group, but I also think that this is a very important. So in Kedoshim, right, we learn Kedoshim. What? Achimos Kedoshim. Yeah. I mean, it's this coming week, this coming Shabbos, is Achimos Kedoshim. We just did Tazriya Mitzayra, right? Tazriya Mitzayra, now we're up to Achimos Kedoshim. There's a joke about that. After everyone dies, when you go to a funeral, right, they get up and they make a whole big eulogy, what a big tzaddik and all, and God all right, no matter what the guy was, is everyone gets up and all the rabbis who say, Achimos, after you die, Kedoshim, you're holy. Everybody says good things about you. Okay. What? What, like you considered like you're dead after you get married? I would not repeat that. What? They say good things about you. Oh, yeah. 
Well, there you're supposed to, it's brought down. Because you're supposed to make the kala love her husband, you're supposed to make the husband love the kala. So there's a din that you're supposed to speak nice about both of them. What? You can't find something good to say? There's always something good. He's a great ball player. You know, when people call me up for shidduchim about guys, whatever it is, I say, listen to what I'm not saying. Right? So someone calls him and says, tell me about this boy. I'm like, he's an amazing ball player. They're like, okay. I'm like, no, he's really good. He's like a superstar. So what I'm not saying is that he's learning and he's doing that, right? So listen to what I'm not saying. But there's always something good to find about this. If you can't find, we went about this last week. If you can't find something good about the person, then you're missing something. If 101 judges say guilty, he's innocent. You always have to be able to find something good about someone. That's for sure. Right? That's the godless, the godless is being able to see the potential in everyone. I love that Gemara, the famous Gemara with Eliyahu Navi and the Tana, and they were walking by this donkey who was dead for a long time, and it was full of flies and it was disgusting. And Eliyahu Navi and the guy, and the, the Tana said, let's go somewhere else. And Eliyahu said, no, look how beautiful his teeth are. Because the donkey has big white teeth. Even though the rest of him was disgusting. You know, he was trying to teach him that in the worst things you can always find good. You have to have that ability. Where did that ability come from? It comes from what you see in others is what you see in yourself. So if you can find good in yourself, I haven't learned that mission in Pegavas today, Russia. Don't make yourself into a Russia. Right? So that's very hard to understand. What do you mean? You should be hard on yourself. I spoke Lashonara today. I'm a Russia. I looked at a girl. I'm a Russia. I have to do tshuva. But the mission picker says, Atas Atzmachal Russia. And you would think that to do tshuva, I'm going to walk around and say, I'm a great guy, so I don't need to do tshuva. Right? It doesn't say you should walk around saying you're a great guy. It says you shouldn't make yourself into a Russia. And the question is, right, I haven't learned the Mishnah today. The question is, what do you mean? How are you going to get better? You're going to walk around and say, I'm great, I'm a tzaddik, okay, I did something wrong, big deal, everyone does something wrong, right? You should make yourself a Russia. You should sit at night and say, I'm a Russia, I need to do tshuva, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. The minister says, don't make yourself a Russia. It's a very beautiful answer. You think from Musser, right, that's what you should do. And the answer is that if you make yourself a Russia, what you see in yourself is what you see in others. So if you make yourself a Russia, you're going to judge everyone else that they're Rasham. So the mission says, don't make yourself a Russia. So you make yourself a Russia, you look at that guy and say, oh, he's no good also. He's also no good. What you see in yourself, that's what you see in others. Your faults is the faults that you see in others. If you're happy with yourself, you're happy with everybody else. It's because, it's because you don't think you're good, you don't think anyone else is good. But if you think you're okay, so the mission is telling you, you can do tshuva, and you, you can say, I need to do better, and that's okay looking at everybody else and saying they need to do better. That's fine. But if you're going to make yourself a Russia, then all of a sudden everyone else is going to become a Russia. That's the explanation on the Mishnah. And it's very, very true. So you need to have a healthy relationship with yourself. Not to be a bad guy, but you need to have a healthy relationship. I'm trying. I'm working on it. And I'm not such a bad guy. Because otherwise you're going to think that everyone else is a bad guy and no one else is trying. But if you're trying, and other people are trying. And I see it all the time when I deal with kids. I see it all the time. They see... They see in others what they really see in themselves. But they don't want to, they don't want to look at themselves, so they look at other people. So a person who works himself out to, to, to have a good relationship with himself will have a good relationship with everyone else. That's why, where, 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 what do you say? 
That's not a clog of That's not a clog. Every guy, every every non-Jew, every Muslim, everyone in the world. That's not a Torah thing. But love thy neighbor as I love thyself. Right? There are gangs in, in, in California and other places where these guys, you know, they're buddies and it's my, you know, my guys and they'll kill each, they'll kill for each other. It's not a Torah thing. That's a human thing. That's a human thing. You know, don't do unto others what you don't want to be done on yourself. That's not. That's not a Torah thing. The answer is no. It is a Torah thing. Why? Because Vahaftal Recha Kamocha means Vahaftal Recha Kamocha. Who is your best friend? You are Kamocha. You are your best friend. If you don't get along with yourself, you're not getting along with anyone else. So the people who really hate everyone, they hate themselves. I see it all the time. People who are happy with themselves and they get along and they're in a good place, the world is great. And everyone's in a good place. And people who are not happy with what they're doing, they're miserable, everything's miserable. That's what it means. Zeklag al-Batara. If I don't have a relationship with myself, I can't have a relationship with Hashem. I can't have a relationship with my parents. I can't have a relationship with other people. Right? I can't, I can't be, there can't be any Bainadam al-Khavero. If I can't get along with myself, how am I going to get along with you? Because I'm a little bit selfish. You want to get along with yourself. If I can't get along with myself, I look in the mirror, I don't like that guy. How am I going to like you? So that's a, that's the basis. The first relationship in relationships is you and yourself. You need to work on yourself. You can't do that on an iPhone, texting and having nine hundred friends. That's not a relationship with yourself. That's a, a fake relationship with the whole world. You need to spend time with yourself. That's the mindset. That's the biggest secret. In, in you know, I was talking to a therapist the whole night tonight for like two hours, whatever it is. The, the biggest secret. The biggest secret is you don't need a therapist if you can talk. If you can, you do. I don't want to get into trouble, but. But if, if, you, if you have a relationship with yourself and you know who you are and you can work with yourself, you don't need somebody else telling you who you are because we all know who we are. You don't need a therapist to tell you who you are. If you sit down and you go inside yourself, you're going to see some really beautiful stuff and you're going to see some ugly stuff. And there's nothing wrong with seeing ugly stuff because you're going to take that ugly stuff and you're going to work on it. So yes, sitting and spending time with yourself, it might be scary, but it's very, very healthy. And you have to know your weaknesses. I spoke last night. Um, there must have been 500 women there from Maimonides. Um, and the subject was, uh, they, they get some dot on nutrition, which is not my favorite subject. And, um, and gastronology, whatever it is. So they're talking about early screaming and endoscopies and, 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 and colonoscopies and that you shouldn't, you know, 50 years old and all these different ages and whatever it is, whatever it is. And they asked me to speak. And, I'm not a doctor, right? So I had to connect what uh, connect what Tyra together, whatever it is, and I did. And I, and I got up there and I said, I haven't been trying to figure out for the longest time. I was a gambler. I was an addiction. Stopped on a dime. I used to watch movies all the time. Stopped on a dime. Used to watch TV. Stopped on a dime. This rock and roll was my life. I'm a drummer. Stopped on a dime. Shmir say Nayim Baruch Hashem. I have no computers, stopped on a dime. I cannot stop eating potato chips and chocolate. I come home at 11 o'clock, I sit down, ice cold seltzer with some lemon in it, and a bag of wise potato chips. But I'm only going to eat a little. But I finished the whole bag. Right? And I, and I look at this bag, and I'm like, what's the deal? Why are you more powerful than me? I gave up movies, girl, everything. You know, everything. 
And I can't give up potato chips? It sounds ridiculous. There are guys in this room who don't have a yetzer of potato chips and chocolate. So you're looking at me like, what's wrong with this guy? Rabbi Wallerstein? Right? But that's my yetzer. And I cannot, and I am sitting looking at that bag and I'm talking to it. I'm like, what do you have that TV didn't have? What do you have that movies didn't have? What do you have that rock and roll didn't have? I mean, I give all that stuff up. I can't beat you. Now, the patient bag doesn't answer, of course. Then they put me in a psych ward. But, so I gave it a lot of thought. And I'm, I'm doing a lot of private. I'm not going to therapy. I'm not going to, to Overeaters Anonymous. Okay? Because I don't need someone to tell me what's wrong. I need to figure out what's wrong. So, so I need to go inside myself. If, again, you, sometimes you can't and you need to go to these places and these places are very good don't get me wrong they're very good I know people that lost a lot of weight because there are a lot of people there that accomplished it and they tell you how they did it and when you when you go to do that munchies you call up your, your the guy that you got to call and he's like don't eat it don't eat it don't eat it you know and they back you down like drugs it's the same thing whatever it is and I'm looking at and, and, and I'm looking at this stuff and I'm like why can't I beat it and I know why I can't beat it but I'm, I'm going because it's potato chips and it doesn't say in the Torah you can't eat potato chips. And it doesn't say in the Torah you can't eat chocolate. So I am tied, this is work. I am tied in, so far Hashem should bless me, I am tied in in my spiritual world, I can say no. Because these things are wrong. So at 50 years old, at 50 years old, my, my father's rub, Rabbi Horowitz told him that when you turn 50, you should take on something new. It's half of a hundred years, you should take on something, a new chumrah in your life. My father took Rabbeinu Tams, but then when my father died, I wasn't 50, I was in my 40s, I took his Rabbeinu Tams and I started wearing it. So I couldn't take on Rabbeinu Tams. What did I take on? Cholavakim. Now let me tell you, Cholavakim, right? I mean, we're talking about Haggadahs. Okay? We're talking about deep Belgian chocolate Haggadahs. I can't eat that. No more chalavakim. No, I didn't take on, I didn't take on eating chalavakim. I took on not eating chalavakim. No, no, that's, I took on that chalavakim. So, 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 chalavakim, whatever, chalavakim. So, Belgian chocolate with caramel haagen Wow. Right? I mean, that's like crazy. Now, I love coconut. Okay? Mounds. I used to eat mounds of mounds. Okay? And I, I travel a lot, so when you go there, you got Almond Joy, and you got Mounds, and you got Famous Amos Chocolate Chip Cookies, and it's all Cholofstam. I have no problem whatsoever. I don't look at the Mounds, they don't talk to me, I don't look at the Famous, I don't look at haagen Why? Because it's a spiritual thing. It's Cholofstam. And I took on this spiritual thing, not to eat Cholofstam, I have no problem with it. I have no problem. I don't want Hagen Daz. I'm not interested in, in, in any of the Chalav Hagen That's all. I'm not one of those, um, uh, what was that called? Tasty cream? Uh, Krispy Kreme. <laughs> Krispy Kreme after Pesach? It's, it's like, whoa! No problem. No Yetzirah for it at all. Why? Because in my head, it's a spiritual thing. So it's an Avera. For me right now, I took it on. It's a nether. It's an Avera for me to eat it. So for me, for me, I have no, I have no problem with all that. But chocolate and potato chips that are kosher, that you make a bracha and a burn of foshos, is not, and this took me months of work to figure out what's going on here. It's not an avera. It's just a physical thing. It's, so it's physically not good for you. I'm a diabetic. Chocolate is like, 
right? So it's physically not good, and my cholesterol is not great, so potato chips is not a good thing. So it's physically not good for me. Yeah, but I'm a Rebbe, Hashem will protect me, and eh. And my father had a strong heart, and, you know, last night when I was speaking, we all make these things in our head, right? What's the Yetzirah's big word? I call it the D word, capital D, right? And I'm, talk, I'm not talking about my report card right now. Capital D then is what? Different. I'm different. You're right. Most people that have high cholesterol, it's not good for them, whatever it is. But my father, Baruch Hashem, he died from, I mean, he died from cancer at 67, but he, but he didn't have any heart problems. So I'm different. You know, this guy's, I'm different. I don't need to exercise because I'm different. And I, I, I save children. So Shor Hashem's going to let me live long. I got a bracha from him. So right, you always have this in your head why you're different. Why you're different. Just a little bit. It's not going to be the end of it. So we always have, when I do with girls, in boys with Shemini Gia, so girls specifically with Shemini Gia, I give this whole speech and they're like, you're so right, guys are animals, you just want to be physical, you're so right, you're so right. And then two weeks later I'm like, did you break up with your, with your, with your, with your boyfriend? Oh no. I'm like, you told me I'm so right. Yeah, but, but you don't know Chaim's different. <laughs> Chaim's not interested in a physical relationship. Chaim just wants to have an emotional relationship. I'm like, well, then tell Chaim to buy a pet. Okay? You can have an emotional relationship with a dog or a cat or a fish. I'm like, so, so like, is this girl stupid? No, this girl's a valedictorian. She's brilliant. So what's her problem? You're different. You can be, you know, you can hold hands, but it's not, nothing else is going to happen. You're different. Right? So I told her, I said, you might be different, but he might not be different. How do you know he's different? Oh, Rabbi Walston, you're so right, but if you got to know him, if you got, you know, I have, I have a, a share on this. You got to know him, I'm like, I don't need to get to know him. He's a guy, you're a girl, we're not different. Right? What does it say in the Constitution? All men were created equal. They didn't mean it for that, but that's what they meant. Right? We're all created equal. And that's why, ain't up a trouble. What did the Gemara say? I didn't say this. Gemara says, ain't up a trouble, it's not riots. No difference between me, Ramosha Feinstein, Rakhain Kainetsky, and you guys. No difference. Ain't up a trouble, it's not riots. Rakhain Kainetsky cannot be in the room alone with a woman. It's Yichud. Rakhain, Golodot, Sadik, he's 85 years old. What are you talking about? Halach is Halach, ain't up a trouble, it's not riots. So the Torah is telling us, you are not different. Nobody is different when it comes to immorality with a girl and a boy. Ain't up a trumpet's la Don't let the Yetzirah tell you they close that down. Don't let the Yetzirah tell you that you're different. We're telling you, ain't up a trumpet's la You can't leave a man with a dead body of a woman in a room together alone. Shulchan Aruch. Are you crazy? Rebbe, what are you talking about? That's disgusting. Okay. Gemara says, ain't up a trumpet's la and Kachayah, there was such a case, we know in, in America, with a big court case, a whole huge court case. Where these guys were working in the hospital, they went down to the morgue, and they did what they wanted to do, and they were caught by the cameras, and they wanted to, they wanted to charge them with whatever, and they said, but they're dead bodies, so there's no feel, you know, so the person's not alive. How could you charge, and there was no laws in America for such a creepy, stupid, crazy thing, right? So how could you call it rape? It's, they're, 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 they're dead, right? And they had this huge, crazy case. They made a whole movie out of it. Went, went all the way up, I think, to the Supreme Court. Right? They charged him with abusing a body and whatever, whatever it was. Well, my, so, 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 so the Gemara, so the Shulchan Aruch said, you're not allowed to have a man with a dead lady in a morgue. And we're all saying, like, are you crazy? What do you think? I'm sick! The Gemara says, we don't think you're sick. Ain't up a trouble to You can't be with a dead lady alone in a room. 
in Apotropos Larais. And everyone's like, oh, these rabbis, they're radical. Yeah, so it happened in America, and they caught them. I'm sure it happened without them catching them. And it was a huge case. You can Google it. It's a huge case. You shouldn't Google it because you don't have it online, but whatever. Right? So a person has to get to know himself. And there's no such thing as you're different. None of us are different. So anyway, so I'm working on myself, and I came to the conclusion, yes, you don't have control when it comes to things that are not spiritual. That you shouldn't have watch movies is spiritual. That you shouldn't listen to the Goyesh music, whatever it is, is spiritual. That you shouldn't look at women is spiritual. But eating potato chips and chocolate and making a bracha, a achrayna and a bracha rishona is physical. So, what am I doing to stop it? I haven't had potato chips, Hashem, in a while. I turned it into spiritual. Why? Because the Torah says, Ushamatim is nafshay seichem. You have to wash your, you have to watch your health. It's a mitzvah say, and there's a mitzvah say, v'chaybahem. So now, if you know that chocolate for a diabetic is dangerous, and potato chips for someone who has cholesterol is dangerous, so when you eat that potato chip, that's chalavakim. Because your oiver ushmatim is nafshay seichem. That potato chip is no longer physical. That potato chip is spiritual. So far it's working. I don't know how long it's going to work. I can't promise you it's going to work too long. But I've been off dipsy doodles and potato chips for a while. It's hard. You come home and you, I, you know what I do. So there's a lot of stress, whatever it is. And you sit down and you get this ice cold seltzer with a little lemon in it. And a bag of potato chips and everything's good, you know. Or chocolate and some strawberries. And it's better than any Prozac or medicine or anything. Right? If you like chocolate, chocolate is... is right. So... So I had to take that and turn that because I now I know that I have a problem with physical things if they're not spiritual and I had to turn it into spirituality. Now how did I get there? How did I get that? What's the mind? I spent time with myself and I looked into myself and I said, you, you don't have, you have a problem with physical things. Not, I mean, you have a, everyone has a problem with spiritual things. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to be tested. But you have, you've overcome certain levels. But this is, the, I spoke about it last night in front of all these women. I said, so we, so, so things that are unhealthy for you, you have to turn it, because there's a lot of people in the room, I'm sure they have the same thing, it may not be food, maybe other physical things that they shouldn't be doing, whatever, and it's not healthy for you to be eating that, or whatever it is, and you need to turn that into Ushmatim and Seichem, and all of a sudden, you will look at it very differently. It becomes Cholavakim, it becomes Chazer, it becomes, it becomes a cheeseburger. I, 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 I was telling the ladies last night, as much as I like potato chips and, 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 and chocolate, I have no problem not eating them on Tisha B'Av. I have no problem not eating them on Yom Kippur. I have no problem not eating them on a Sarbatevis. I don't even want to eat chocolate then. Why? Because, it, because fasting is a spiritual thing. I'm not allowed to eat food. I have no problem with that. It's a spiritual thing. But if you told me I have to fast, Stamaza, you need to lose weight, I'm not fasting. It's going to be much harder for me. So, so we have to take all these different things and turn them into Ushmatim as Seichem. And how do you do that? You have to spend time with yourself. You have to start, you have to ask questions. Why, why, not, why am I able to, I'm able to overcome this? Well, oh man, I just can't get past this. And, and that's how you grow. But if you're on your phone the whole time, you're watching movies the whole time, which are not real, and the whole world is not real, so you're not spending time with yourself, then you're not, then you're not Rahafluwecha Kamocha then you're not going to be able to, to help anybody else. And all you're going to see in other people, you're depressed, you see them as depressed, you're bad, you see them as bad. And that's what that Mishnah was telling us today. Don't make yourself a Russia. You're going to make yourself a Russia, everyone's a Russia. 
What you, what, how you look at yourself, that's how you look at everyone else. Okay, so we're going to end with this. Apashas Kedoshim. So Apashas Kedoshim, it says, Kedoshim to you, you should be holy. Ishri imo, Tiro, right? You should fear your, your parents. And you should keep Shabbos. And then the Pasuk ends with a very unnecessary line. Ani Hashem Aleikechem. Right? The Pasuk before says, Speak to the Jews. They should be holy. Because I am holy. Hashem your God. And the next Pasuk says, and, 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 and take it, you know, have kibbutz of aim, right? And keep Shabbos. And Hashem Alekechem. You already told me that you're Ani Hashem Alekechem. In the Pasuk before. Why are you repeating this? Why, why are you repeating, keep Shabbos, I am Hashem your God. So, one terrorist is that you have to honor your parents, but if, if they tell you to do something against the mitzvot, to be Machal Shabbos, remember, as much as they're your parents, at the end of the day, I'm above them. They have to serve me. So that's the Pasha the Terrace, why it says here again, that if your parents tell you to be Machal Shabbos, even though you have given up a aim, you're not allowed to be Machal Shabbos. So there's a, I, I've said this story, um, I don't think I've said it here, but I said this over by, by some Sheva Brachas. Um, so I want to tell you what he says over here. He says the following story. He says there was an old man, I love this story, one of my favorite stories. There was an old man, and he's sitting on a, and he's sitting on a Central Park bench. So you have to use your imagination for a minute. There's an old guy sitting in Central Park on a bench. And it's a hot, hot August day. And you know those um, those green trucks? What are they called? They work for the park parks department. Right? The green trucks, park, park the park department trucks. So these guys are in the park, you see them, they're dressed in green, right? So he says, these two workers park the truck, they get out of the truck. Each has a shovel in his hand. And a variety of guarding tools. Okay. So they look at the area. And then one of them starts to dig. And he digs and he digs and he digs. And the other one's just standing there. He's not doing anything. And finally, the digger finishes digging. And I guess when you put in trees, you have to dig like four or five feet down to put in, to put in trees. So he, he digs, digs, digs in this huge hole, right? And... He finishes digging and he goes back to where the other guy is standing and the two of them just look at each other. And they wait five minutes. After five minutes, the the other guy who didn't do anything goes and he takes the dirt that the guy dug out of the hole and he puts it back into the hole, right? And he pats it down firmly, right? And they measure off 12 feet and they do it again. He digs the hole, he waits. They, after the hole's dug, they wait five, ten minutes. Then the guy goes, he fills up the hole, and he pats it again. And this guy's watching this. It's a very hot day. And he's like, what's going on with these Meshugam? He digs the hole, he fills the hole. He digs the hole, he fills the hole. And what are they waiting for in between? And he's just watching this every 12 feet. The whole day, they start at 10 o'clock, it's now 4 o'clock. And these guys are going through Central Park, digging holes, filling it, digging holes, filling it, waiting, digging holes, filling it. And they don't understand what's going on. Anyway... So, finally, the old man gets up, and he walks over to the two guys, and he says, what in the world are you doing? Like, what do you have accomplished? You dig holes, then you fill them. Then you dig holes, and you fill them. 
Like, why would the, why would New York City hire you to do this? So, the first guy who was digging the hole says, "Excuse me, we're planting trees." So the old man says, "You're planting trees? What are you talking about?" He goes, "I dig the hole." The next guy puts the tree in it, and then he fills up the hole and pats it down. And that way the tree has support because he pats it down. So the, the elderly man says, but I don't understand. There's no tree. He says, oh, we're union workers, and the guy who puts the tree in, he didn't show up today. <laughs> well, we're doing our jobs. Because we're not going to miss, we're not going to miss a day's pay. And I remember when I heard this story, I was, I was just imagining watching these guys go through Central Park, right? So they waited, they waited the 10 minutes in between for the guy to put the tree in, but he wasn't there. So they don't care. They just kept doing what they're doing. They just kept doing what they're doing. They just kept doing what they're doing. He says that you have to understand what the Pusik is telling us over here is that just honoring your parents, right? There's another partner. In every person, there's a mother and a father, but there's a third person. There's the one who plants the tree. There's the mother and the father, but there's the one who plants the tree. So Kurdish Baruch Hu says, honor your mother and father, but remember, that's not enough. Ki'ani Hashem Part of, outside of honoring your mother and father, I have to be part of that Equation. So therefore, if they tell you to do something that is against what I said, then the third guy is not here because I'm the third guy and they're telling you not to do the mitzvah or be machal Shabbos. So all you're doing is making the hole, closing the hole, making the hole, closing the hole, making the hole, closing the hole. But I took this story when I read it. I took the story as a totally, a totally, a totally different look and maybe it's part of what, we, what we're talking about tonight. And that's doing things by rote. In other words, when you dive in, when you learn, when you do a mitzvah, if you don't have the machshava and you don't have the kavana, right? What you did is you dug a hole, but the kavana and the machshava is the tree. So you you came to shul, you dug the hole, you said the words, you finished davening, you patted it down, you said aleinu, and you left. But there's nothing growing. There's nothing happening. There's nothing growing. There's a very, very funny story. I heard this many years ago. So the way it works in Shemayim, the way it works in Shemayim, is your Dibor, when you dive in, when the Dibor creates the Malach. Right? The Machshava creates what comes out of the Malach's mouth. So you have this guy in Shul, and he's screaming. Right? He's screaming the He's screaming by davening. Screaming. He creates, what do they call those wrestlers, the Japanese? Sumo Malach. Creates a Sumo Malach. 800 pounds, six, seven feet tall. Because he's, he, the Dibor creates the Malach. Meanwhile, he's thinking, right, about a business deal. Or a girl that walked by, that he's dating. Or whatever he's thinking about, right? So now, at the end of the day, it's, it's a, a very interesting right? put down in the Zaya that at the end of the day, all our Tfilos, Matatran takes all the Tfilos by the Kaisal, by the Beis Amigdash, at the end of the day when all the Tfilos of the whole world are over, Australia, LA, all the Tfilos are over, he 
He takes all these tefillahs and he brings them to the next world. Shachris min all of them. Everything to the next world. To, to bring before Hashem. So imagine, so the Malach is looking, right? And who does he want to bring in front of Hashem? The big Malach first, right? So you have this super Malach that this guy in land out is screaming. Right? So they bring the sumo malach in front of Hashem, and now he's going to say the tefillah, right? And he's like, what are you thinking comes out of his mouth? Whether it was, are the Rangers going to be playing the Islanders or Washington Capitals, right? Who's going to be playing today? You think I should go out with that girl, right? And all the other, all the malachim are standing there, oh my gosh. Imagine this malach, this big, huge malach, you know, that's what, that's what he's saying. That's, that's your machshava. You need to know that. That what you think by Shemona Esrei and what you think while you're davening, that's what your malach is. Your malach doesn't say Ashrei Yoshua Vesecha. Your malach is created by Ashrei Yoshua Vesecha. The Dibor creates the malach. But what it says is your machshava. That's very scary. That's very embarrassing. That's very embarrassing because if you're not thinking the right things, if you're not having the kavano, you're doing exactly what these guys did. You're opening a hole and you're filling it, but the tree, the tefillah, the, the machshava, what you want to bring to Hashem, it's not there. So tonight's shear, from beginning to end, for whatever reason, is about tefillah. It's about makam kavua, and it's about tefillah's betzibur, and that we have to look at a, a shul as the base of migdash, and if you don't come to shul, then it's considered like you're shechting an animal outside the oamoid, and we know what the Pasuk says this week about it, but if you come to shul, you're in a base of migdash, I'll tell you something that happened with Ramat Cheshwab. Ramat Cheshwab was my mashkiach in Beishraga. Ramat Cheshwab was by far one of the Lamed Vavniks. He was one of the biggest tzaddikim that lived in our generation. Only at the end of his life people came to him for brachas. People realized he wrote some svarim. People realized this man was one of the biggest tzaddikim in the world. I was in 10th grade sitting in the bathroom in Beishraga. Sitting in the stall. And I see, from underneath, I see somebody picking up the, the tissues on, on the floor of the stall next to me. I guess the guy just left some tissues on the floor. And in front, where the sink was, right, you, you see, I could see what he was, he was cleaning up. And I saw that it was Rav Schwab. I saw his hand, his very white hand. I, I knew who it was. I was like, I'm sitting in the bathroom, and Rav Schwab's in the bathroom, cleaning up the toilet paper that's on the floor. So... I washed my hands, I came out, I said, Ashiyatza, and, and I went upstairs, Mashkiach, is my Mashkiach, and I went over to him, I said, the Rav doesn't need to do this, I'll make sure that the Bachram, I'll talk to the Bachram, I'll make sure that guys don't leave, you know, it, it's not, I don't you know, it's not covered for the Rav, the Mashkiach. He looks at me, he had this face that glowed. He says, it's a covered. It's a covered. It's a covered to clean the toilet paper? It's a covered. It's a covered. It's a besamidosh. Koyin. It's trumas adeshen. Trumas adeshen was the ashes that were left at the end of the day from all the burnt kabbarnas. I don't know if you've ever gone to a barbecue, but the fats and the ashes is you ever try to clean up the top of a barbecue? That's trumas adeshen. And it says that the koyin, the trumas adeshen, was a big thing. It made you rich, whatever it was. To him, beshraga, the yeshiva was the Beis HaMikdash. And to clean the Trumas HaDashen, the dirt of the Beis HaMikdash, is an honor. That's how, how Rav Schwab looked at the bathroom 
Not, not inside there with Arna Kodesh in the city. The bathroom of a shul, the bathroom of a yeshiva, to him, the Beit HaMikdash. We have to treat a shul. I'm not, I'm not telling you to get to the level that you treat the bathroom that way, but don't put your tissues on the table, and don't come in shorts with your shirt out, this new, this new custom that yeshiva boys have. I don't know what it is. I go to land, I don't understand. You can't, you go to a shul with your shirts out, your tissues out and your shirts out, you stand in front of Kodesh Baruch Hu, when you grow up and you have a multi-million dollar real estate deal, you're going to come with your shirt out? For sure not. So it may be star, it may not be star. You walk into a base measures, you, you put on your tie, you put on a tie, or you, you tuck yourself in, you don't come in sandals. First of all, halachically, the, 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 you're not allowed to dive in with your feet showing, your bare feet showing. That's a halach in the Mishra Rura. You come in sandals, you come in dressed like... The bathroom is the base Hamidosh! Can you imagine what the base measure is? You come in front of Kirsch Baruch, you bring a carbon. You see how Makbid, it's at the Talmud and Hagel, how Makbid, you have to be for Makam Kavua. We have to be, we have to be more, much more sensitive to, uh, to our shuls and, and to our Makam Kavua and, and to our Makshavos. And if we do that, then our tools will be in the Skabal and then Mashiach will be a very menu amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.